in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 647 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up in the Ron and Don Show, uh, let's talk about the U.S. housing mess that they say will now subside in 2028. How is that going to work? Because it seems like we got grand yeah, gridlock. Also, Mike Johnson, I don't know if you know who he is. Nobody does. This isn't a real political show, right? Because we're not on Terrestrial Radio, and we just don't want to divide the tent, right? We've had enough of that. But I do think we have to talk about Mike Johnson and the fact uh, that evidently is an evangelical Christian. He might have some problems uh, watching porn, and we'll tell you what he does about it. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I think a really interesting article, and if you listen to our last episode, episode 646, we talked about our friend uh, Gary, who we call 55, who passed away. And we tell you his story. He had known for nine and a half years. It was really beautiful about his story. He's able to go fishing. He traveled all over the world and shared his music. Uh, he was able to travel and see his family. Uh, he was able to download size his home and prepare his family for when he'd no longer be around and able to work and support them. And so I don't know if I've ever seen a better person prepare uh, for the road that was ahead, right? And it's kind of interesting, I think for a lot of us, a lot of us ask this question, and I ask this question now almost every day as I'm on the other side of 55, I'm 56, heading toward 57, and you have to ask yourself, at least I'm asking myself, how much is enough? How long do they think I'll live? Have I saved enough money? Uh, what happens down the road? Not when I get sick or if I get sick, but when I get something's going to happen, right? Um, at some point, as I said in the last show, we're all going to get to a point where we're no longer going to be here. And for some of us, it'll be sudden. For some of us, we'll know. Uh, I think of a lot of my friends right now that are that are battling cancer and other things, and people with even within my family. And what I don't want to do is become a burden, really, to the government, and I don't want to become a burden to my family either. And Certainly, I don't want to become a burden to my son. At the same time, I think leaving him lots and lots of money or real estate, uh, I think it's dumb. I, I, I think parents that do that, I think, uh, I, I, I think of this analogy about the baby bird. And the baby bird is at the nest. And mom comes every day and feeds the baby bird. And it gets to the point where it's time for the baby bird to leave the nest. But mom likes hanging out and feeding the baby bird at the nest. And guess what? One day, mom goes out and gets killed by a crow and can't come to the back to the nest. And what happens to that baby bird? The baby bird crawls out of the nest. And the baby bird ends up dying because the baby bird doesn't know how to take care of itself. So I just want to make sure someday when I'm like that mom, and I'm not around, that I don't do too much for my son and kill the baby bird. And at the same time, I want to make sure I do enough to give him a good push or a good lift into the world. So, Ron, I thought this was a really cool article, and it basically is just saying, hey, 
how do you know when to transition and how do you know when it's time to retire? And I bet a lot of people that are listening to this who are listeners who are boomers or older, they're probably asking these questions right now or maybe they've already transitioned to a life of retirement. Uh, What did you think? Uh, It is interesting. It's interesting to think about it. And the thing that I keep coming back to or or that occupies my brain in this, which I think is different than yours, I I don't don't have kids. And so my my life is set up a little bit differently. And and I just keep concentrating on, on simplifying stuff. Uh, making it simple, uh, making it um, attainable in a sense. I, I, I look around a lot of times and I'll see people that are still in acquisition mode and acquire, acquire, acquire. And um, and I was in that mode for a long time. And it's like, wow, I, I, I don't know if I like maintaining all this stuff. <laughs> That's a great point. You, know, where you, can, like, you can rent anything. <laughs> right. And so I, I really, yeah. a couple of years ago, really sort of dialed into it's like okay uh and and i have tim ferris to think about this i know people like to lampoon him a lot uh with the you know the four-hour body and the four-hour work week and all the stuff he's written Mm -hmm. but but he had a concept in one of his books that that real i really tried to take it home and and the example that he gave was a little bit um fanciful but it made its point and he said let's pretend um, that you are a massive car guy, all right? Yep. And that you, your life's goal was that you wanted to have a Lamborghini. And so he said, uh, this is like, you're really into cars. It's all you've ever dreamed about is you want to have a Lamborghini. He said, well, if you want to go out and buy that Lamborghini, uh, it's going to be maybe $300,000, $400,000 to buy the Lamborghini you want. And he's like, for most people, that just seems prohibitive. Like, you're not going to be able to do it. He's like, what would it cost you, though, to lease a used Lamborghini? So you're not going to buy a 2024 Lamborghini. You're going to go find one uh, that maybe it's a 2022, 2023, and you want to lease it for a couple of years. And so he goes through in the book at the time he wrote it, he goes through this example. And I think he ended up with, he's like, you could lease that Lamborghini. I think it was something like five grand a month, somewhere around there. Mm. He's like, that's not a cheap car payment by any means. But if you were saying that that's your life's dream, he goes, most people could figure out how to do five grand a month. You're only doing it for two years. You're going to be able to drive a Lamborghini. If it's really about driving that car, you get to drive the car. You're not going to own the car. You're going to drive the car and experience what that's like. And so, and then his analogy is reverse engineer the life that you want and put a dollar amount to it. But really do it. Most people go, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, don't yeah, yeah, yeah me. Like, really think about it. And it's like, okay, where do I want to live? How many times a week do I want to go out to eat? What, how big of a house do I actually need? What is the car that I need to drive? Um, how many vacations do I want? How much, what, what are my, my expenses? Uh, you know, if I'm really into going to concerts, how many concerts do I want to see? So like really think about it, write it down, and then you're going to come up with a number. And that number is going to be pretty close to what you need to live in. And Chris month. Stapleton, uh, May, 2, May 2nd, down in, uh, I think it's Dallas, Texas, is going to be involved. So, yeah, so like we, we, we got, go we, to shows. We, we got we to go to that. Yeah. And so you, you prioritize what it is that's expensive to, or what it is that you like to do. That's awesome. And so for me, I, I came up with a number. Did you? Um, and, and so I feel like I, at, a, at a certain number, 
that I would really not have to change my lifestyle very much. Yep. I had a, I had a buddy that um, I played poker with for a long time uh, that worked at Microsoft, and we would hang out at the tables. I would see him at tournaments. Good guy, like a guy that you know, we weren't we weren't friends outside of this hobby, but I, I'd see him and was aware of him. And he's like, "Guys, I'm moving to Vegas," and it was like, "Well, good for you, man." And so then, uh, like a year goes by, and he had no money. Mm. And it's not because he lost at gambling. It's because he never thought about the actual, yeah. his lifestyle. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, he moved in his mind. He's like, I'm going to move there. These are the things. I love restaurants. I love live music. I love playing poker. He's like, I'm going to have all of that in a lower cost of living, and I'm going to do it in Vegas. Mm. And so when what, what the reality that happens is he sits in his house most of the time uh, because he can't afford to go to concerts or to these great restaurants or to the live shows or to play in the poker tournaments because he didn't actually come up with the number that he needed and a way to generate that number. So I'm in the process of really refining this right now with a financial advisor of going, this is what my pension's going to be. This is what I expect to get from Social Security at these ages. Uh, this is what my monthly income needs to be to live comfortably. And so I think if you do that in reality, I, for most of us, the number is smaller than we think it's going to be. I think in most of the time we buy into this, uh, you know, the, the investment advisor business some sometimes is a really good service and sometimes they create more fear because they're like, Oh, you got to have $6 million. And it's like, really? Do I, do I gotta have $6 million? Like for what lifestyle? So I have, I'm sure you've done this. Have you, did you, have you come up with your number as well? Yeah, I have the only for me, I think the shift happens for me when, when my son's out of high school. And so Everything I'm doing right now is is working toward that moment, and I, you know, I think about I think about the profound effect it, that had on myself and all my siblings when we did a major move when we we're all in junior high and elementary school from Illinois to New Mexico, and it was just for the hell of it. Uh, and then my dad went down there, had a job, floundered, disappeared. And now it's my mom who wasn't working at the time. We had to go back to work. And now you got four kids. And so I've always been driven by the insecurity of that. And I've never wanted my, fun, my son to feel that kind of insecurity. One was the financial insecurity of it all. And then the other was the move and going somewhere where I was, we were a very close Midwest family. We couldn't afford to go back and see them. Uh, and so, and, 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 and sometimes they couldn't afford to come see us and, and, and travel then was very different right at that age. And, and then trying to make friends when you're, when you're going into junior high, which is a totally weird, awkward time anyway. And, and it, it so, so, so for him and I, like, like that time is when he's 18 and then, and then that's when, I will, I will make my moves. And even if I found out tomorrow that I was sick or I was something, I, I would still stay here and continue. I'm not going to pull him out of the school he's in. I'm not going to take him out of this neighborhood. Uh, he has lifelong friends here, lifelong friends at school, uh, and great connections and teachers and coaches. And so I think all that's important. So I do think about it. But, yeah, that'll park me at about, let's see, that'll park me just on the other side of 60. 
and then, and then at, at at that point, I I think as far as working, I think I'll continue to feel purpose and to work, but I'll I'll work at doing things that I want to do and not necessarily things that that I have to do. So. Yeah, do you think that you're like if push came to shove, I bet that you could get by pretty modestly if you needed to. Well, it, it, right now, if I had to cash in all my chips, I, I don't like I'm good right now. And, and I don't like like in the lifestyle that you talk about, because I do think about that. I think I could do all the things that you're talking about right now. The, and, and I would probably do them right now. The only thing, and it doesn't hold me back because I'm having a blast being his dad. I'm, I'm really enjoying this moment, but I, but I will say like, like what I used to do is tell myself, I can't go on that, that diving trip with Ron in the spring. Cause in the spring, that's when the spring book comes out in radio or in the spring, that's the springboard for real estate or in the spring. And I'll come up with all these reasons why I can't do it. And so what I've done in the last couple of years, and I think you've seen me do this, I I'm coming up way, with ways to say yes and, and not to put those things off. And, and I think having a sibling pass at a young age, having some of our friends pass now or get sick uh, that is really that 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 has my attention. So does Good. that answer that? Sure. Yeah. So hey, you guys, don't go anywhere. More in sixty seconds on the Ron and Don Show. Hey, it's Ron and Don here. I hope it's sinking in that this is the new normal for real estate. Interest rates are not going back to 2.75%. They're just not. Uh, That was artificially suppressed uh, by the government, and now they've taken that suppression off. This is the new rate. What does that mean? Well, if you've been standing on the sideline waiting for interest rates to come back down before you make a move, this is your sign that that strategy is not going to work. Don, as soon as real estate interest rate prices come down even a percentage, a flood of people from the sidelines is going to jump back in, and it's going to be another frenzy here in the Pacific Northwest. I hope you reach out to us. Start a strategy right now at ronandonsitdown.com. Yeah, and if you're thinking about buying... Think about buying and adding doors to the property that you're going to buy. If you're thinking about getting into multifamily, I love multifamily because multifamily means multi-checks. And it used to be in the city of Seattle, if you bought a single family home, you couldn't add more doors to it. You can make really almost any property in the city of Seattle, a multifamily property, even if it's in a neighborhood where it's a single family home. You could add two ADUs to your property. I just help a couple do that up here on Queen Anne. Uh, you could take an old craftsman, turn it into a triplex. I own a number of those. So instead of having a rent check come in every month that's $3,500 or $4,000, I have three rent checks coming in every month for $3,500 or $4,000 for that particular property, right? unbelievable so the city is really encouraging us to live higher and denser and you know what if you own a piece of property in the city of seattle and you want to add doors and add checks just reach out to us reach out to me reach out to ron at ronanddonsitdown.com more of the guys coming up in just a minute 
All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. As you know, we're realtors if you need us. Yeah, we sell the sound. Just reach out. In fact, we have people right now reaching out around the state. Uh, chances are, though, if you're within the sound, we're going to be directly involved in your transaction. Congratulations to our sellers in Burley. We are closed. And uh, they just wrote us an incredible review that we're very thankful for. Uh, and we're going to share that on a real estate only show uh, coming up. Friday. If you need us, just reach out. We sell the sound, and uh, it doesn't matter whether we're in Seattle, Tacoma, Upper Everett. Uh, we have sold. Was that a farm that we sold down in Olympia? We sold a nursery down in Port Orchard. Uh, we're not afraid to get on a ferry. Come see you. And I have to say, part of selling the sound, which I love, is I can kind of travel when I want to because a lot of times we're coming out to the house, whether it's here on Queen Anne or over in Magnolia or on the east side. Uh, it's it's it, it's so fun to get on ferry boats, come see where you guys live, and uh, finally meet some of you that have been listening to us for years. So thanks for believing us. If you need us, let's sit down together. We call it ronadonsitdown.com. And don't forget, Ronadon TV, those TV cameras are here. Uh, there, our set is being built, and we will be on, I think, in the in the second part of January. So very very cool. Hey, Ron, it's interesting with this housing crisis that we're in. It seems like we're kind of in, it's, well, it's gridlock. It's certainly a a traffic jam. And you and I read an article the other day that I shared with you that said, we may not get out of this to 2028. Uh, And they say our way out here moving forward is not going to be interest rates because people now think interest rates will continue to be a bit jacked through 2024. They think our way out is going to be by builders um, and I used to do ads, for instance, like Dr. Horton. It seems like we're going to have to build our way out of this. I don't know if I agree with that because as someone that is paid uh, to build and rehab homes, it is so expensive, you guys. So you could go out a number of years ago on a simple 2,100 square foot home, and three, four, five years ago, you could get that house roofed for eight to twelve thousand dollars. I got a bid on a roof like that the other day for twenty six thousand dollars. I was able to find another roofer to do it for nineteen, but I looked at his material cost and it was still twelve thousand dollars just for a box of roofing nails. Right now is seventy two dollars. I'm not sure that we're going to build our way out of this when it's so expensive right now to build. So yeah, the the dynamic that we're seeing, which usually you don't see in a correction like this, is those artificially low interest rates that were suppressed uh, by the government, by the executive branch, pretty much of keeping things uh, very, very low uh, during the pandemic. And it made it made sense at the time. Like I, I'm I'm not casting aspersions. The Fed and the analysts at the time were, we didn't know what a global pandemic was going to look like and what effects it was going to have. And, and, and I think we, we forget a lot of times about like, can I go to the grocery store? Am I taking my life in, in my own hands to go outside of my house? Like that was happening for months and months and months. So we, we sort of forget that now. But so you have this population of people with a locked in interest rate that is historically low. They do not want to move. They're incentivized to not move. Uh, and so that has created this really weird dynamic, usually in a market. Um, and you talk about the housing market or the stock market or whatever. Um, supply and demand forces flow. 
there's some there's a concept called liquidity. So if you're in a, a stock like Amazon, there's enough buyers and there's enough sellers in that market that you have liquidity. And so what do we mean by that? If I have a stock of I don't know what Amazon's trading at today, but let's say it's five hundred dollars. If I have a hundred shares of Amazon and I'm trying to sell that, I go into the marketplace, then <laughs> there's someone out there that wants to buy it. Yeah. And so we can come together on terms and make that transaction. In the real estate market, traditionally, that was the case. You had buyers and sellers. There was some liquidity because of just market forces of people needing to move, people wanting to buy, folks that are moving into town or moving out of town. And so there's just certain life forces that provided liquidity. Now you don't, it, that's stalled because these people that, are, that have these interest rates are like, Hey man, I'm not, I'm not selling. I'm not moving. I guess we're just going to hunker down here uh, because I can't afford to sell this house and buy another house. I cannot get a comparable house for what I have now. Because of the interest rate. I, because of the interest rate. Why am I going to walk away from a two eight and go inherit a, inherit an eight? Right. And so what that's done is what, what, what the Fed thought was going to happen is we're going to ratchet up interest rates. And it's going to cool the housing market. Mm. And then there will be inventory available. And so buyers could come in and buy that inventory and it will equalize at a new interest rate norm. Mm. That's what the, the plan was. Uh, and so what happened though is, is the interest rate started to go up. Um, and, and all the inventory was basically consumed and then it stopped. People were like, I'm not going to sell. And so now we have this imbalance. There's, it's, it's an illiquid market. And so how do you thaw that? How do you make this become more liquid? I don't know. Like economists are trying to figure that out. And so, uh, you know, that's way above my pay grade. But when you think about Seattle specifically, where are we building these houses? Uh, the desirable neighborhoods are grandfathered into this NIMBY mentality in Seattle where it's like, you can't upzone places. You can't get more, like in, in Queen Anne, where we're sitting right now, the, the people fight tooth and nail over any sort of density uh, stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, just building my backyard cottage in the backyard. Uh, it was a fight with every neighbor around here. And none of those neighbors are here anymore because they all cashed in and took their money and their expats down in Mexico. <laughs> Yeah, so. But boy, do they not want a backyard cottage uh, impeding their view. And then they were afraid uh, more backyard cottages are popping up. They are, but now they're just so expensive to build. So the land is there, but the building cost of building a cottage now is there's no way I could build that cottage for what I built it for during COVID. Could, I, I, I think come close. to me, it's going to be a, a incremental change of expectations that's pretty radical. So what do I mean by that? For instance, if you're a first time home buyer, I think gone are the days where you step right in to a single family house by yourself and that's your first home purchase. That, that was in vogue there for, for quite a while. Now I think you're going to have to get creative. You're either going to have to have a roommate. You're going to have to have a business partner. You're going to have to get a partner with your parents or family members to increase your down payment. Uh, you're going to have to do something creative to make that happen. Uh, and I think some, a lot of people are going to have to start with a condo. You're going to have to start with a townhouse. You're going to have to start farther away from where you want to live, uh, and, and not be able to make the jump right into the thing that you want. And, and people don't like that. 
People are like, I want this. It's like, well, sorry, you, you can't afford that. Yeah, and I think one of the hard things right now is when when buyers are sidelined, capital companies are not. And so I have a friend, for instance, that that runs a capital company, and he used to just be a home flipper. Uh, he has raised hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're just buying up properties and single-family homes and multifamily mobile homes, everything they can buy. They're doing that all, all over the country. And that's what has really placed pressure on this market because they love the fact that buyers have been sidelined because it gives them an opportunity to go in and make a deal because they don't necessarily care about the interest rate because they're using other people's money. And that's why I tell people is the interest rates right now are raised. Prices aren't coming down. They're going up. In fact, I have a piece of real estate that's going to do very, very well that I'm going to sell in the spring. I'm not worried about the 8% interest rate. The thing's going to sell. Uh, and it's, it, 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 it is going to do very, very well in the, in the, uh, in the spring market. And so if, if you think, if you're buying into, hey, the day is going to come back or it's going to go back down to, to 2.8, if that were to happen, then the days would come back where you would have 114 people in an open house at the same time because that's how crazy it got. So you don't want to get in crazy. Those interest rates will come back down. They're going to ease back down. If you're thinking you want to wait to see them in the fours even, you're probably four years out if they ever come back to the fours. I will say, though, there's going to be a lot of pressure on this administration. It's very interesting that you see the former president uh, in courts and you see the current president not really showing up anywhere and speaking and talking and taking questions from the press. He's in a lot of trouble right now. And you look in the swing states, he's losing in four or five of the, uh, the swing states. It's important to keep an eye on that because a lot of people feel like, and even on the, even, even in his own party, that he is too old for the job. And because of that, uh, it'll be interesting what is kind of promised here down the stretch by both candidates and both parties? Because as George Bush found out senior and the reason he couldn't get elected and Jimmy Carter, the same thing. It's the economy, stupid. It's the economy, stupid. It's the economy, stupid. That's just a quote. See you on the other side. Hey, it's Ronnie on here with Mitch Weeks. You know him as Mitch.loans. And Mitch, a lot of people find themselves in this scenario. Maybe they're downsizing and they're like, where am I going to live when I sell this house? Because I don't have my other house yet. And it freaks them out. And sometimes they, they tap the brakes. Is there anything we can do in a loan way to help someone in that scenario? Absolutely. We have a great new program. It's called Buy Before You Sell, and it's structured to help exactly those type of people. What you can do is you tap into the equity in your home in advance. So let's say you've already paid, you've been living in a house for a while, you've already paid it down, and about half of its equity, you can get up to 80% of the value of your house in that equity. You get that in, and that's the down payment on your next home. Hmm. Not only that, but in this program, you're not hit for your debt on your old house or that loan because it's a 0% interest loan. And because of that, you can buy your next house before you have to sell your current house. It means you don't have to move twice and it just adds a lot less stress. Yeah, absolutely adds a lot less stress. So if that's the scenario for you or you've been having a stumbling block, if I don't know where I'm going to live first before I sell this house, give Mitch a call or you can contact us. It's Mitch.loans or run it on sitdown.com. Again, Mitch.loans. 
All right, you guys, welcome back to the Run and Don Show. The Mike Johnson story, if you have a chance to read it, it's just about a dad who has a mechanism on his phone and his son's phone. His son is only 17, and they check in on each other to see which guy is watching porn. <laughs> I think if you want to have an accountability partner, cool. And Mike Johnson is the new Speaker of the House. I don't have a problem with that, but I, but I think checking in on a 17-year-old and he's checking in on you. Uh, I think those ages are kind of weird, but who am I? So nonetheless, accountability department, uh, if you need that, why not? Uh, I, I'm going to punt on that story, though, real quick, because, Ron, you're kind of doing something that's kind of cool. Uh, and at the same time, I think on some podcasts that we have coming up, you're going to kind of reappear, but you're going to reappear from a different place. So why don't you tell everybody kind of what you're doing and uh, what we can expect from you as we head toward the holiday. Yeah, I'm about a little over a week away from doing a basically a, a six-week uh, adventure. Um, and it's going to be a working thing. It's not a vacation. You and I actually talked a while back, uh, and I was like, I, this is not a vacation for me. This is an experiment to see um, what it's like if I can – um, basically remote work for a little while. And so, and you mentioned this, I think in the last episode, when we were uh, on terrestrial radio, which is most of my adult life, uh, there was such pressure the, put upon us to always be in that chair and to never take time off. And there was all sorts of fear tactics that were used and like, Hey man, if you come off, you're going to, you know, your ratings are going to go down and those listeners are never coming back. Or what if we get a fill in host of people like better, you could come back and not have your job, all these fear tactics, uh, that we could never go anywhere or do anything. Uh, and there was always this fear that I need to get back. I need to get back. I need to oh, get don't back. even take it. I had a year, I had a year and a half of sick days. Uh, when I left, hey, don't even leave when, when you're when, sick. When I left terrestrial, yeah. And, and so for at least, I would say, I don't know how many years, it's been at least 10 or 15 years, um, uh, maybe more than that. Um, I have daydreamed openly about wanting to, uh, for whatever reason, me, I just, my thing Hang is. Hang on, to, before you share what you share, daydream openly, do you need an accountability partner too? <laughs> I do not need an accountability partner. <laughs> Uh, to daydream openly about, uh, you know, li- living in other parts of the world like that. That's the thing that gives me a lot of joy and energy is to get these new novel experiences and new foods and new places. And like just going out there and exploring is, is, is a thing that I've found that I really enjoy. So for the next six weeks, I am going to do, I'm going to spend a month in Barcelona, which is going to be odd in the sense that it's nine hours ahead of Seattle. So we're going to really have to coordinate our, our times to, I'm still going to work and I'm still going to do zoom calls and still work on contracts and still be a part of the, the real estate business. I can still do uh, many, many things uh, over the computer and, and be able to interface with clients and write deals and review deals. And Ron all works that in the stuff. office a lot anyway, and I'm the one out in the field. So I'll still be out in the field. You'll still be in the office. You'll just be in our office, our, our Barcelona, the Barcelona branch. office. Yeah, Barcelona. And so I, I, I decided this was a big one for me. I decided to go out of my comfort zone and I found an air. Normally I'd get an Airbnb. It would be by myself. And I'm at the Airbnb and just that would be my lodging for a month. I decided I found this Airbnb. Some it just popped up into my feed when I was looking and I was like, ah, 
You're not staying in a youth hostel. No, I'm renting a room. It's really quite expensive. It's more expensive than what I would be paying here in Seattle. But it's a a lovely spot. It's maybe um, uh, a couple kilometers away from the Sagrada Familia. And it's this couple. They look to be in their mid to late 30s. One of them's an architect. And I was like, huh. I was like, I love architecture. Most architects that I've met. Oh, you're I'm, living with them? Yeah, I'm going to live with them for a month. Cool. And so I was like, what a wow. better city in the world to have a live-in architect. What kind of amenities do you got? And so it, I'll, I'll show you the listing. It's a very nice place. So I'm doing that. Then I want to spend Christmas with my parents in Florida. So I looked around. I was like, I have to find a city that flies nonstop to Florida. And the the, the most cost-effective way I could do this is I'm going to then go to Casablanca for a week uh, uh, and then fly from Casablanca to Florida to for Christmas with my, my folks. And um, I have no idea how it's going to be. I have no idea if it's going to work <laughs> or if it's going to be a complete disaster. Um, but uh, I am appreciative that when I pitched this idea to you a while back, uh, I, I was a little apprehensive because we have that history, like you talked about before, of, of, of coming up with reasons to not do things like this. And so I pitched it to you and I was like, hey, uh, I don't remember exactly how I did it, but I was like, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. What do you think? I'm going to do it sort of in a time of the year, typically where, um, you know, we're in the winter months here. And credit to you, 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 you encouraged me to go for it. Uh, and there's never a good time in radio or real estate to really take off like this, but I'm sure you were a little nervous as well for it, but I'm a little bit nervous and a little bit excited. Actually, yeah. a lot of bit excited. I, I, I just have to say, and, and we shared in one of our last episodes about the loss of our friend Gary Verrill, even, even a couple months ago, he he loved to travel. He was out on Woodby Island. He's like, man, I don't just want to sit here just on Woodby Island and 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 be stuck. He was still getting on a plane and playing music uh, all over America. In fact, I think he'd just been down in Central uh, Central America. And so as, as, as I saw him continue to travel and enjoy his life, even through some of the pain that he, he was going through with his cancer treatment, it was like, man, that is a message to all of us. It's a message to all of us uh, that if you have those moments, go do that. Uh, those scare tactics that happened to us by those program directors and GMs, a bunch of bullshit. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of trips uh, that I should have taken a lot of days off or I was sick. I should have stayed home and I was sick when I, when, even when I, when I turn the radio on now and I hear hosts on there who are sicker than a dog and they're, they're talking in the microphone, it's cause they still have some of those bosses and those bosses are so paranoid about getting fired cause they're responsible for the ratings and revenue as well. They just don't sit behind the microphone. So they put all that pressure on you. And there's even more pressure now with all the great podcasts out here like this one that is 2 million clicks. Uh, and we didn't have that back then where we felt all that pressure. So now, yeah, th- if somebody turns away from terrestrial radio and starts listening to a podcast, it probably is true. They may not come back. So, hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, we sell the sound. And even though Ron will be at our Barcelona branch for a couple of weeks, I'll still be here. I'll come see you. Uh, you get two realtors for the price of one, as one of our clients said the other day when the deal closed. And that really is true. Uh, we're here to communicate, help. And don't forget, I think a lot of the real estate that we're selling right now are people that have to move. Maybe you're downsizing. Maybe someone 
one passed away. Maybe there's a re- reverse mortgage, a state sale. Uh, maybe you're getting to that point in life like Ron or myself where you're considering, hey, maybe I want to live somewhere else. Maybe I still want to have a footprint here in the Northwest, but maybe I want that footprint to be a little bit smaller, right? So anyway, if you need us, we do something called a sit-down where you just sit down with us virtually. And then if we decide we're going to be partners, in fact, I think we're going to do this in a couple days over here in Magnolia, we will come out after sitting down virtually. We will come out. We will see you. We will walk the property. We'll tell you our opinions, what we would fix, what we would leave, what we remedy, what our approach would be, how we would sell it, what we think the number would be, or at least that neighborhood of that number, and maybe some of the things that we're willing to do uh, that other realtors aren't. So, And don't forget, you should be negotiating and talking about commissions with your realtors. The National Board of Realtor Association of Realtors, they just lost this major lawsuit, and people are surprised that now you can negotiate your commission. You could always negotiate your commission. It's just realtors didn't want to talk about it. Now they have to, right? And they have to show you their work, and uh, you want to make sure they're doing all the work they can do on your behalf, all right? Ronandonsitdown.com if you need a buyer playbook or seller playbook, write Ron. Ron at ronanddon.com. Till next time, you keep your head up and your shoulders back. Thanks for believing in us, letting us be your broadcasters, your friends, and your realtors, because we sell the sound. You've been listening to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. (laughs) 